0: On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we hit the rails with a big screen and we go virtual. Yes, we go tripping
1: on some bucket list train excursions, Switzerland's Golden Pass Line and the Indian
0: Pacific across the Tasman.
1: We also showcase some classic travel movies to fuel
0: your wanderlust. Plus, we do some virtual travel in America's national parks. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard another edition of Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Andrew Seppi.
1: I'm Mike Adley, deliriously good to see you Andrew, how will I contain my excitement for the next 30 minutes? Cold shower, you'll
0: cope. Thank you. There. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up we will talk about the bucket list train excursions and do some virtual travelling. But first we are going to talk about the best travel movies to fuel the wanderlust where on earth do you start assembling a list such as this?
1: Well, I guess you've got to start with the classics, which first set fire to the travel world's imagination. So I'm thinking
0: Audrey. Audrey Hepburn, Roman Holiday. Well, I think didn't think you were meaning Audrey from Coronation Street. Oh, Audrey. Audrey. Yes, Audrey Hepburn is, of course, the beautiful woman who ripped through the streets of Roma
1: on a Vespa. Mm-hmm. Um, in a similar vein, you've got uh, movies like To Catch a Thief with Grace Kelly and Kerry Grant, uh, shot on the French Riviera. Oh, yes. Now, that coincided with the dawn of the Jet Age travel, and apparently a lot of people wanted to be like Grace and Kerry, Andrew.
0: They did want mm. to be like Grace and mm. Kerry, Michael. Mm. I'm, I'm very sure of it.
1: Fast forward to today, yes. and just as The Rings and The Hobbit have mobilised millions of visitors to New Zealand in the last decade. I actually think The Sound of Music is the ultimate travel movie classic because over 60 years on, that film still drives so much pulling power to Salzburg, where the hills are still alive, Andrew.
0: With the sound of music, indeed. Rail and road trips would have to be in there. Darjeeling Limited is a great rail romp through the Rajasthan. And Murder on the Orient Express. Who can forget that? The Mm. original and the remake have fortified the world's seduction with that luxury train.
1: Yes. Road trip movies. Now, I would say Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, because the Outback really is the star of that. For something a little revolutionary, and I think you can be a little revolutionary, Andrew. I can. I'm thinking the Motorcycle Diaries, based on Che Guevara's travels through Venezuela, Chile, Bolivia, and Peru, including Machu Picchu. But I reckon, now this I know will strike some as a bit low rent, but I reckon (laughs) the most iconic road trip movie ever... Oh, no. ...would have to be National Lampoon's Vacation. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me, really? (laughs) And
0: European Vacation. Oh. and Christmas Vacation. Oh, no. Chevy, <laughs> and, Chevy Chase just gives me the heebies.
1: But what about that nauseously addictive theme song? Holiday Road, old, old. I'm still Holiday
0: wait- Road, Road. Holiday Road. I'm still waiting to be addicted, but go on.
1: <laughs> I freely admit that it was actually the Griswolds that inspired me
0: to check out Monument Valley on a road trip in the state some years ago. Now, and this would apply to you, the travel to find yourself theme. <laughs> it remains big. <laughs> Eat, pray, love comes to mind. Yes. Mamma Mia, had a whole thing with that. You yes. know, try and find yourself in the deep, dark blue beyond. Yes, you know, with the Greek man. And, and well, yes, uh, introspective, look into your soul, yes. see what you're made of. Yes, yeah.
1: But my favourite of these stakes not that I'm really into travel to find yourself, uh, would have to be (laughs) Under the Tuscan Sun because it's based on the real-life adventures of Frances Mays, and in the movie, Under the Tuscan Sun, it's played by Diane Lane. She plays Frances. Yes. I actually interviewed Frances when Andrew and I worked on radio some years ago.
0: Oh, you did. That's right.
1: And she still lives in that 200-year-old farmhouse, Bramasoli, which is just outside Cortona, uh, in Italy. And if you've seen the movie, I tell you what, it is such a thrill to go and see that famous villa in the flesh in the Tuscan countryside.
0: Yeah, that is a very, very good example of one of those movies. Now, we also have to mention one of my favourite movie franchises of all time. James Bond from Doctor No to Spectre every Bond flick can give you the travel bug Uh, even you know View to a Kill with Roger Moore balancing on the San Francisco Bridge and the shootout on the Eiffel Tower I actually when I was up the Eiffel Tower I did imagine myself in that Bond scene Were you channeling Roger Moore? I was actually channeling John Taylor from the View to a Kill video, Duran Duranda, but that's another story. There's actually a a whole website where you can plan your exotic travels based on Bond locations and hotels. I know. There are so
1: many we could mention, so we won't. But I tell you what, my favourite one is this awesome revolving restaurant (laughs) in Switzerland called Pea's Gloria, and the restaurant is atop Schittelhorn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> in Switzerland. Yes. The coolest thing of all is the restaurant was actually built by Bond's producers for On Her Majesty's Secret Service and the Swiss thought it was so impressive they kept it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so nowadays
0: when you go up to Peace
1: Gloria, the restaurant is just full of Bond's memorabilia.
0: In fact, I'm going to post up on the Facebook for you to have a look at the yes. photo of me doing the John Taylor. Oh my goodness. On the Eiffel Tower. What were you wearing? Beside a photo, fo- I, I can't remember now, beside a photo of the John Taylor scene from the video. So you can do a comparison. There you go.
1: (laughs) Did you know, by the way, that Andrew's quite partial to Duran Duran? Shush. Have we mentioned this before?
0: Uh, What movies do you think have become billboards for a city, Michael? Well, I would say Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yes. They helped rev up Singapore's street cred
1: with the moneyed millennials. Mm -hmm. And probably the icon that really stands out on that front would be the infinity pool of Marina Bay Sands overlooking uh, downtown Singapore. Expedia, they reported a 20% spike in Singapore bookings in the week
0: following that movie's premiere. In fact, Crazy Rich Asians used the uh, elevator at the hotel I went to in Penang. We discussed in our podcast Ah, last year. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. They went to Malaysia as well. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Now, similarly... Lost in Translation is really just one big movie ad for Tokyo. (laughs) It really is. And the Park Hyatt Hotel. Yes. A
1: lot of people just go and stay a night in that hotel because of that movie. Actually, speaking of hotels, the most famous hotel-based travel movie could possibly be the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Yes. Now, that film is a stark reminder that travelling offers an opportunity to add a whole lot of colour to the daily drudge of our otherwise grey lives, particularly <laughs> in our senior years. And most of that movie uh, was shot on location in Jaipur, Rajasthan. The hotel exists in real life. It's called the Ravla Kempur. It's a 17th century property, uh, still offering 12 on suite rooms.
0: Then there is The Beach. Now, The Beach is a glaring example of Hollywood's ability to unleash uh, raging over tourism, yes, <laughs>
1: Hollywood's ability to trash a beach, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Prior to COVID, Maya Bay in the PP Islands, which is where the beach was shot, yeah, uh, they had to close it to tourists for nearly two years because the reef and the surrounds had become wrecked. Just, okay,
0: yeah. So, what is your all-time favourite? Travel flick. It can't be National Lampoons. It's got to be something a little classier.
1: Okay. If we can't do Holiday Road, and I won't sing again. Please. I think for me, first equal would be Borat. Sorry, what? And his travels across the US and A. So (laughs) we've got
0: got a um, competition between National Lampoon and Borat for your favourite. This is low rent.
1: I went searching for Pamela in the US and A.
0: Oh, my Like goodness. Borat. Yes, yes.
1: And also, first equal with Borat, I Am Besotted by Greece. Well, it's uh, getting better, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all of the ancient glories, as I think I've shared with you.
0: Mentioned a couple of times. From time
1: to down. Uh So on that front, I would have to give a nod to the brilliant comedy, My Life in Ruins. Such a great title for a Greek <laughs> travel movie, isn't it? My <laughs> Life in Ruins. So that's the movie which revolves around this American tour guide Based in Athens, and to a very high maintenance to a group of Americans. Most, I'm sure, came from Montecito, California.
0: It's <laughs> laugh out loud all the way. Yeah, you're always up for a cheap laugh. Stay with us. We showcase Switzerland's Golden Pass line next. Don't go away. You're back with Kiwi Trips, there's Mike and Andrew. If you are busy planning and dreaming about some bucket list travel experiences, Mike is a train spotter from way back. And, doot, doot. Yeah, and well, I must admit, I am too. And we're going to profile two bucket list rail experiences on this episode. Let us start with Switzerland's Golden Pass Line.
1: Yes, well, Andrew, as you know, the Swiss transport system is a marvel. (laughs) So just in an overview um, point to start with, they've got 30,000 kilometres of track crisscrossing a mountainous country barely a third of the size of the South Island. Uh, The collection of scenic train journeys are the stuff of legend. You've got, like, the Glacier Express, the Benina Express, which is not a fast-running sewing machine for the easily confused. (laughs) Uh, They've got the Gotthard line and the Golden Pass line. The thing about these scenic train trips is if you do one of them, you're hooked. You're
0: addicted. Oh, yes. You will
1: be gagging. For your next
0: hit. So what makes the Golden Pass line so distinct?
1: Well, I put it to the test, and it's reputed to be the pioneer of the panorama train. So over a century old, it was the first service in the world to introduce giant picture windows to maximise the view. Oh. Also, what makes it rather special? It's not just a tourist train, but a crucial commuter route. So while you are... Gazing wondrously at all of the alpine villages, you'll have people, locals, jumping on the train to head down to see auntie Algatha in the neighbouring village. Um, so you, you've got the flexibility to do it as a day trip, yeah. or hop on and hop off as you please all along the line.
0: All right. Now, one of life's great questions, how long's the ride? Wow. The full
1: journey between Montreux and Luzon is just over 200k, which takes about four hours if you were just on and off at the end point. Interlaken is the halfway point. I started in Montreux, and as we talked about a couple of months ago, the climb out of Uh, Montreux, is incredibly steep. Yes. Because you are rising up through those stunning Laveau vineyards uh, wrapped around Lake Geneva. They actually use a cogwheel track on the Golden Pass line to get you out of Montreux, and then, boom, you're plunging into the alpine hinterland of vivid green valleys and soaring mountain ranges, half-expecting Heidi to come skipping into view with a pint of milk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or a bucket. (laughs) <laughs> With big goats' milk, I yes. would imagine. Yes. Now, is Gstaad on the Golden Pass line? Yes. Now, this is somewhere you may want
1: to actually hop off for a while. It's all glamour, all Gucci, and oh, chic yes. chalets.
0: Oh, yes, indeed. Yes,
1: Gstaad is very posh.
0: That's actually very Sean Connery. Thank you very much, Gstaad, darling.
1: There's the cheese region of Gruyere Mm -hmm. uh, and the fabulous village of Rosinia, which boasts Switzerland's biggest chalet. It's a five-story chalet. What? I mean, we're talking mega chalet. One chalet. One chalet, all intricately carved. And as you pass from French-speaking Switzerland to German-speaking Switzerland, you can tell where you are based on the wood piles. The wood piles. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, in the French-speaking region, the locals stack their wood with an air of laissez-faire independence. You know, they just scatter it artistically, even carelessly. While in the German-speaking
0: region... The Germans stack their wood according to the size, the length, the width. With methodical precision. That girth is not acceptable for that pile. (laughs)
1: I know this sounds terribly cliche But it's true yeah. So it's a nice little geographic check
0: for you Check the wood piles There's a travel tip if you've ever heard one Now what about the Simmon Valley Such a quintessential pastoral pocket of Switzerland It is We're talking cosy chalets Plump cows
1: <laughs> what? That need to go on a diet Clanging bells Medieval castles, keeping watch for Heidi. One of nature's own guards... Don't body shame the cows. No, I'm very sorry. One of nature's own guards is this fantastic mountain, Nissen, and it's pyramid-shaped. And in the afternoon sun, and you can see this from the train, the Golden Pass line, it casts the most perfectly shaped triangular shadow over the lake. Mm. The the Germans would approve of it. They would approve. It's all methodically sorted. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No loose scatterings of the triangle.
0: After Interlaken, what are the standouts?
1: Well, I was intrigued to discover a place called Meiringen, which has a rather notable claim to fame. Yes, it does. Sherlock Holmes fans flock here. Ah. sometimes in full period costume, which is a bit disturbing. St- <laughs> it's a little odd, yes. Uh, it's because the town's falls, the Reichenbach Falls, was the setting of the final showdown between the detective and Professor Moriarty. Ah, So if you happen to be in the region around May 4, there'll be a lot of people there. They flock there to mourn his death, Sherlock Holmes, every year on May 4.
0: So you've got a bunch of... Excited people walking around in tweed coats with magnifying glasses going elementary, <laughs> yes, while puffing on a pipe. Great. Um, by the way, if you are a fan of the meringue, oh, the, <laughs> that's a bit of a cosmic leap. The meringue, Michael, <laughs> yes, the
1: meringue, mm-hmm. you will be in meringue, Nirvana, in Myringham, because this is the town where they apparently hail from. Oh, yes. And then, before you reach Luzerne, the end of the Golden Pass line, you've got the drama of the Brunig Pass uh, before weaving through the most eye-catching assortment of chocolate box villages. Beautiful villages like Langean, Saarnen, and Saxelm.
0: Okay. And this is all year round, I take it? Yes. I'll tell you what.
1: It's really like a rolling showreel of Switzerland's greatest hits. It's Switzerland in a snow dome, and it's such a detailed (laughs) and diverse, ever-changing landscape between Montreux and those beautiful vineyards of Laveau and Luzerne. But if you want a decent carpet of snow to dust your experience, hold fire until the end of the year. November to April
0: is best. Absolutely lovely. Lovely. I'm still with the snow dome thing. Thank you. Uh, Ahead, we swap people in Sherlock Holmes costumes saying elementary and meringues to some virtual travel in the United States, national parks, and we ride the rails of the Indian Pacific. Who knows where we go in this podcast? I don't. He doesn't. We don't. See you shortly. Trips, does Mike and Andrew. Another epic train journey that warrants a high ranking place on the bucket list is Australia's Indian Pacific.
1: Yes, it's a railway legend. An outrageously long ride connecting Sydney with Perth on a track spanning over 4,300 Kilometres, and you thought the Sydney Harbour Bridge was wide.
0: (laughs) Wow. Do you have to take the full trip from coast to coast? No, thank God. Oh, good there. Now, the reason I say that is because, to be
1: honest, the first part of the trip is bloody boring. There's a lot of brown. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. The problem with starting it from Sydney is once you get beyond the Blue Mountains, it's very brown and flat and... Well, it doesn't change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're looking at a brown landscape for hours upon hours and you think nothing's actually
0: changed. So it's pretty much like constantly driving past Lake Ellesmere. (laughs) Very, very similar. Yes. So anyway, if you do want to do it from Go to
1: O, it's a four-day traverse, I would go batty, particularly on that first section through New South Wales. What I would suggest you do is head down to Adelaide, Uh, and jump on board from Adelaide, westbound for Perth. That chops it down to a two-night trip without skimping on any of the signature experiences deep in the outback across Australia's wide
0: smile. Oh, the wide smile of Australia. But there are certainly some highlights of this trip.
1: Well, I know this might sound stultifying. Yes. But if you do like the sense of desolation, ochre earth and Infinity Horizons, it can be quite compelling for a while. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying do it from Adelaide so you'll get a taste of the Outback without going completely batty. Or take a couple of bottles of rum. Yeah, there is that. The weird thing is, out of nowhere... Between Adelaide and Perth, you'll get the odd scratching of civilization with all sorts of interesting stories. For example, you'll come across the rocket testing range oh, at Woomera. Yes. Um, which was also a key communication station for the moon landing. There was a
0: movie about this. Yes, there was. Mm, a very good movie, actually. Yes. Then there's the old British nuclear bomb testing range at Maralinga. Maralinga. <laughs> and in the little settlement of Forest, Two people live there. Two people servicing two emergency runways, which are Australia's biggest emergency runways outside of the major cities. Yeah. So if something happens in a major city and you can't whack down a plane, yep. that's where they go. And similarly, like if you were flying into Australia, say from Africa, yeah.
1: you've gone way past Perth. Yeah. You're hours from landing in Sydney, but you need to land. It's these runways that would come into play as, your, as mm. your rescue stretch of tarmac. Yeah. There are ghost towns as well, like Cook, uh, which was a reasonably substantial railway service town until the train was privatised in the 90s. And hundreds of locals were laid off overnight in Cook. They fled. So all that remains now are the buildings.
0: Yeah. There are a few, actually a few ghost towns throughout Australia, mm. uh, including the very famous one for the asbestos mine. Right, and that was what they sang about in Midnight Oil's song "Blue Sky Mine." Ah, true, true. Mm-hmm. You're a font of inspiration and I information. S- I certainly am, yes, yes, indeed, yes. Now, I hear you had uh, a dramatic encounter, unsurprisingly, with bird life. Yes, on the Indian Pacific. What did you do now? I've had my trials with
1: Australia's birds.
0: Oh, you have. And or even, They may have had their trials with you. I'm not, depending on whose perspective you're looking this at. This is true. Role. Yes, they might have enjoyed it more than I did. Mm-hmm.
1: But what um, happened?
0: What happened? Even on a train, you're not
1: necessarily <laughs> safe from Australia's flying friends. What um, happened? <clears throat> well, I was basking in the supreme sense of isolation on the Indian Pacific, which was brought into sharp focus when there was a bang, and what had occurred was a massive wedge-tailed eagle had misjudged its manoeuvring and had crashed itself into the cab of the locomotive, smashing the glass. Oh, dear. The problem was, we were miles from anywhere. Oh. The train was paralysed because the cab was just stuffed. It was dangerous to to drive. And we had to wait until a freight train from Perth arrived with spare parts. As it was- Did they bring any Panadol for the bird? (laughs) Poor birdie. I actually felt so sorry for the eagle. But as it was, Mr Eagle had actually done serious, serious damage to the cab. So the freight train gave us their spear locomotive to continue our trip to Perth. That's very good of them. So, yeah, even in the back of beyond, the spirit of camaraderie extends – Far beyond just the passengers on this far-reaching railway line.
0: That's a very inspirational tale, Michael.
1: You know the weird thing? What? The wedge-tailed eagle is actually the symbol of the Indian Pacific. So I thought it was a bit unfortunate that the symbol <laughs> took out the train. You know what I mean? Now,
0: maybe he looked at the logo.
1: That's my cousin. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry.
0: Whack. Perhaps the eagle hadn't been offered gold class. No, perhaps it hadn't got its royalties from all the marketing. Yeah, exactly. Now the Nullarbor. The Nullarbor has. I've heard so many different things about the Nullarbor mm. um, since the last time I was there. Um, People's I yeah, love it. Some people are going. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Do you remember those Aussies about? 20 years ago, who reckon they were driving to Perth from Adelaide through the Nullarbor and saw a UFO. Oh,
0: yes. In fact, I think, didn't the UFO land next to them or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're sure it wasn't a wedge-tailed eagle. Well, possibly. the
1: bloody big. Um, the Nullarbor was actually my highlight. And what I loved about it is I can appreciate why aboriginals say you can hear the rich red earth
0: humming in the Nullarbor. Yeah, well, the earth has a frequency.
1: I think I struck it. Oh, good! In the Nullarbor, the rich colour of those ochre sands is quite the spectacle. And the other fascinating train spotting fact about the Nullarbor—it's home to the longest stretch of dead straight railway line in the world, five hundred kilometres of track without one kink. Oh, really? She's as straight as a gun barrel. Yeah. No. And the Aussie astronaut Andy Thomas, who flew on the space shuttle, said you can see that stretch of track oh, uh,
0: yeah. from space. That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't guess you have to worry about straight track like you do straight road. I mean, you can't really veer off it, can you? No, that's true. Now, sleeping and eating, you can do it El cheapo in a reclining seat, but a gold class private cabin gives you all the trimmings. And I must say, uh, when I was you know railing, you, the money you save, not worth it get yourself a nice little cabin. Yes. And, and here you get unlimited around-the-clock drinks, yes. which you yes. appreciate that, yes. and an a la carte gourmet dining Yes, in the Queen Adelaide restaurant. Which is gorgeous. Yeah. So ornate. So which brings the sort of question to mind, what kind of crowd does the train attract?
1: Well, I'd have to say <laughs> uh, I had some assumptions that it would be sort of like the retirement home on wheels,
0: You sound like you're being very, about to be very diplomatic. Hmm.
1: It was a broader church than I envisaged. Well done. So there were a lot of retired Aussies, a lot of international passengers, but it's actually trending younger. So when I did it, there were plenty of 40 and 50 something Kiwis. I felt quite young. Uh, Even families traveling with teenagers, which was quite a fascinating social exercise. Oh, yeah. As to how they survive the compulsory digital detox. Uh, from your social
0: feeds. Surely there's Wi-Fi on the train now.
1: In some parts, th- there is not. Oh, mm. thought it would be satellite. You'd struggle in the Nullarbor on that 500k long trek yeah, to get would. Wi-Fi. Um, so, yeah, in some parts, you are absolutely off the grid on the Indian Pacific. I mean, that would have satellite phones if there was a problem. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the 16-year-old from Manchester, travelling with her parents, doesn't have the satellite phone. But it actually felt really good to yeah. be just off your device, taking in... Nature.
0: Some of the best holidays I've had are where there is no reception. Mm. Absolutely. Do you know how many people can get on the train? Uh, several hundred. Okay. Mm. It's not a small train. No. All right. Coming up, we get uh, virtual with you. Some virtual travel tips for you. What are virtual travel tips? Well, we take a virtual visit across America's best national parks. Back with you shortly. Virtually. You're back with Kiwi Does Mike and Andrew. Let us head for the Americas and some virtual encounters with the greatest national parks. Michael, you're a, you know, massive fan, I would say, of Utah's natural wonders. Nothing beats stretching the legs in the great woolly outdoors. I'm pleased you said stretching.
1: Thank you. So in that spirit, I thought we would go a bit escapist with a virtual roam through some of North and South America's finest national parks. And from what I've been lucky to see in the flesh so far, yeah, Utah's natural treasures, I think, take some beating. Now, if you want to do this virtually, Mm -hmm. there are some really cool websites and apps you can check out. Google Arts and Culture and the National Park Service have both developed superb virtual tours. Bryce Canyon in Utah totally ethereal and whimsical with all of their wonderful crimson hoodoo formations. You can check that out on a virtual tour. Zion National Park all about vert, uh, vertical grandeur. That's available and there is this very cool VR touring option called the Angels Landing e-hike. The so what
0: sorry, the what? The,
1: the the Angels Landing e-hike. So if you've got your VR goggles, yeah you can just put into Google angels landing e-hike and you will not want to have been drinking (laughs) when you do this. Or maybe you would. It is so thrilling. It is seriously the closest thing to being there.
0: Right. Mm. So angels landing e-hike because Mm. there was a thing many, many years ago that people used to sort of imbibe some substances and watch things like Pink Floyd's The Wall movie because they think it, you know, expanded them into – yes other territories. Yeah. So anything of note from the Grand Canyon? There's got to be a virtual experience with the Grand Canyon, which is one of the biggest, well, you know, holes in the ground.
1: Yeah. Well, the good thing about doing this virtually is because the Grand Canyon is so massive, you can actually see a lot more of it. Oh, yeah. By virtual touring it than doing it in the flesh. Yeah. Um, I came across a really cool option called the Google Street View Trek of the Bright Angel Trail, which takes you around the South Rim. Of the canyon. It's the best vantage point to size up those 40 layers of sedimentary rock rising up from the Colorado River.
0: And actually, Michael's got a particularly good point there it, because it's so big. And this is one of the disappointing things when you do go to a, a place where there is so much to see. You sort of think, oh, you know, I'll go there in person. But you realise you can't get around it all. There are bits you miss. There are bits you find out about later. And you think, oh, bother. Yeah. I would have gone there. Yeah. These are a good way to get a feel for somewhere you want to go. And then you can sort out the bits you do want to go to and then make a beeline for those. For sure. If you want
1: just a bit of idle escapism on the couch, check out the VR experiences in Yosemite National Park. Oh. Which include one which transports you to the rock face of El Capitan. You're there. You're like Spider-Man. Wow. Alongside other climbers. And you free climb this monolith, swinging across the face to reach the vertical cracks, and you catch your breath on that life-saving ledge. Al Cap Tower. So just Google Yosemite VR experience and
0: wow, nice. Hmm. Yellowstone has gone virtual too. I mean, this, these are the you know these are the, the cliche. Parks. Yeah. That uh, let's say you might have thought, I'm never going to see this because, Mm. you know, there are so many of them, Mm. but Yellowstone has gone virtual too. It's the live webcams that are just so good, particularly Mm. of the geyser. Yeah. Old faithful. Yeah. Now, what, what about Alaska?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The virtual tours of Denali National Park in Alaska, they're particularly good uh, because they include the state's tallest peak, Mount McKinley, which I think is also now dual-named as Denali. And you uh, if you've ever dreamed of visiting Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska, or perhaps you've been there and want to relive the experience, the wild splendour of that bay, they have got amazing virtual tours that take you right up to the face of a carving glacier. Uh, the spring melt is a really good time to check out the live cams of Glacier Bay National Park. So in our autumn, um, you'll have a while of time.
0: Now, in our last podcast, we had a little, you know, bit of a jaunt through Hawaii, but you can also go there virtually.
1: Yeah. Two quick suggestions. Kilauea. Uh, take centre stage in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, and there's a VR experience through the Thurston Lava Tube, Eh? which gushes with lava flow when Kilauea is misbehaving. So that's a little...
0: woo, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And on Maui... I mean, you know how much we love Maui. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out the live cam experience of Sunrise on the summit of Haleakala. So if you were like me when you went to Maui and thought, oh, bugger I think I'll just have a lion and um, (laughs) dream about those Mai Tais by the pool later in the day. Or recover from the ones the night before. Yes, I think that probably was what happened. (laughs) Um, You can actually just watch the live cam experience. The interesting thing is – You
0: know what the ultimate (laughs) – and sloth would be to be lying in the hotel <laughs> in Maui <laughs> watching the sunset on VR oh, rather than getting oh. up for it. <laughs>
1: the sad thing is I'm sure many people do it. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yes, I saw Haleakala with the sunrise. Yes, I'm sure you did. From the hotel. Yes. Um, <laughs> a really curious thing about Haleakala, and I know we mentioned last week about how it's 10,000 feet high. It is so high, the cloud line is normally below you at dawn. Yeah. It's just nuts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, South America has endless possibilities, and for VR, and there are two standouts. Yes, climate change may be
1: menacing many of our glaciers, but in Patagonia, Glaciares National Park is home to the colossal Perito Moreno Glacier, which is actually continuing to grow. She is a whopper. Uh, 160 kilometres long. That's quite a glacier.
0: That's a fair glacier.
1: And the immersive VR experiences all along that slithering glacier are superb. Not far away, I'm a huge fan of Iguazu Falls National Park, which straddles the Brazil-Argentina border, and they have got some fabulous VR experiences as well. Yeah. As I say, just Google any of these names and put VR next to it, and... um.
0: You'll have a wonderful time. From above, the drone tours vividly illustrate how it looks like a giant fist has smashed the Earth's crust from where 250 waterfalls ferociously plunge over the cliffs into the chasm. Bloodless violence, really. Oh, it is. Yes. It is.
1: Primal, natural violence without anyone getting hurt.
0: Yeah. That doesn't wet your whistle for a bit of VR. I don't know what would. Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. So have fun, folks. Have fun. It's a very lazy way to see the world, isn't it?
0: But it is a good way to check out what you want to see in person, mm. as we said before. You know, I mean, is there, even if you go to Hawaii, there is so much there that you will never see in one trip. Yeah. A little bit of a, you know, use our technology now to your advantage. Yeah. Uh, go and check it out. Then go, yep, I want to go to that particular part of Yellowstone National Park and go there. True. That's it for now, folks. That's it for now. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website kiwitripsters.co.nz
1: Our articles on some of the topics we have discussed, like those bucket list rail experiences, you will find them on our sister website, fortheloveoftravel.nz
0: That is fortheloveoftravel.nz Plus, we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, of which there are many, 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 many
1: It is still early in the year. Mm -hmm. So it's far too early to get whingy, like the whinger and the ginger. So be summery with your feedback. (sighs) Be summery, be sunny side up, like a nice sunrise at Haleakala,
0: virtually. Oh, absolutely. And we'll catch you in a week's time when we escape to the mighty Massachusetts. Take care. I love that song, Massachusetts, by the way. Oh,
1: no, don't start singing, Andrew.
0: All right. All right. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters.